Hello, this is Dr. Pengxian Chen, the Editor-in-Chief of HeartRhythm. The January 2022 issue is devoted to clinical trials. The first article is titled, Clinical Outcomes of Left Bundle Branch Area Pacing Compared to Right Ventricular Pacing, Results from the Geisinger Rush Conduction System Pacing Registry. The purpose of this study was to compare clinical outcomes between LBBAP and RVP among patients undergoing pacemaker implantation. The primary composite outcome include all-cause mortality, heart failure hospitalization, or upgrade to biventricular pacing. The authors studied 703 patients. They found that LBBAP resulted in improved clinical outcomes compared to RVP. Higher burden of ventricular pacing was the primary driver of these outcome differences. The next article is Left Bundle Branch Optimized Cardiac Resynchronization Therapy, or LOT-CRT. Results from an international LBBBAP collaborative study group. The authors aimed to assess the feasibility and outcomes of the CRT based on LBBAP combined with coronary venous left ventricular pacing in an international multi-center study. LOT-CRT was successful in 91 of 112 patients, or 81%. At the follow-up of greater than or equal to 3 months, the ejection fraction improved to 37 plus minus 12%, and clinical improvement was noted in 76% of patients. The authors conclude that LOT-CRT, or left bundle branch optimized cardiac resynchronization therapy, is feasible and safe and provides greater electrical resynchronization as compared with BIV-CRT and could be an alternative, especially when only suboptimal electrical resynchronization is obtained with BIV-CRT. Up next is leadless LV stimulation with WISE CRT system, initial experience and results from phase one of South CRT study. WISE CRT is a wireless LV endocardial pacing system and delivers ultrasonic energy to an LV electrode. The purpose of this study was to present short-term outcomes with the WISE CRT system in 19 centers with no prior implanting experience. The authors demonstrated a high success rate of LV endocardial electrode placement in patients with no prior implanting experience, favorable clinical responses in heart failure symptoms and a significant LV reverse remodeling were noted. Coming up next is sinus node sparing hybrid transthoracic thoracoscopic ablation outcomes in patients with inappropriate sinus tachycardia or SUSRUTA IST registry. This is a multicenter prospective registry comparing the sinus node sparing hybrid ablation strategy with RF sinus node ablation modification. The hybrid procedure was performed using an RF bipolar clamp isolating superior vena cava and inferior vena cava 
was creation of lateral line across the crista terminalis, while sparing the sinus node region identified by endocardial three-dimensional mapping. RF sinus node modification was performed by endocardial and or epicardial mapping and ablation at the site of earliest atrial activation. The authors studied 100 patients. They found that the novel sinus node sparing hybrid ablation procedure appears to be more efficacious and safer in patients with symptomatic drug-resistant idiopathic sinus tachycardia with long-term durability than RF sinus node ablation. Next article is Use of Oral Contraceptives in Women with Congenital Long QT Syndrome The safety of oral contraceptives use by sex hormone content has not been assessed in women with Long QT Syndrome. The authors studied 1,659 women with Long QT Syndrome including 370 or 22% treated with an oral contraceptive. They found that progesting only oral contraceptives were associated with pronounced 2.8-fold increased risk of cardiac events in women who did not receive beta-blocker therapy. While beta-blockers were highly protective during projecting only oral contraceptives treatment, the risk associated with oral contraceptives use without concomitant beta-blocker treatment was pronounced in women with long QT type 2. The authors conclude that progesting only oral contraceptives should not be administered in women with long QT syndrome without concomitant beta-blocker therapy. Oral contraceptives should be used with caution in women with long QT type 2. The above clinical trial articles was followed by regular articles. The first one is novel aggregated multi-position non-contact mapping of atrial tachycardia in humans from computational modeling to clinical validation. A novel aggregated uh, uh, multi-position non-contact mapping, or AMP-NCM, algorithm is proposed to diagnose cardiac arrhythmias. The purpose of this study was to multi, uh, computationally determine an accuracy threshold and to compare the accuracy and the clinical utility of AMP-NCM to gold standard contact mapping. In a prospective cohort of patients with atrial tachycardia, non-contact mapping recordings from a single position and multiple positions were compared to contact mapping with a high-density multipolar caster using morphology and timing differences of reconstructed signals. The authors found that once 60 caster positions were achieved, AMP-NCM successfully diagnosed the mechanisms of atrial tachycardia and identified treatment sites equal to gold standard contact mapping in three minutes of procedural time. Next up is the role of subcutaneous implantable loop recorder for the diagnosis of arrhythmias in Brugada syndrome, a single-center experience. Of 415 Brugada syndrome patients recruited consecutively, 50 or 12% received an ILR, and 58% of that were male. 
31 or 62% had experienced syncopal or presyncopal episodes and 23 or 46% had palpitations. Their median follow-up of 28 months was range of 1 to 68. Actionable events were detected in 11 subjects or 22%. 7 had recurrence of syncope and presyncope with 4 showing defects in sinus node function or atrial ventricular conduction. The authors conclude that continuous ILR monitoring yielded a diagnosis of tachy or bradyarrhythmic episodes in 22% of cases. Recurrences of syncope were associated with bradyarrhythmic events. Use of ILR can be helpful in guiding the management of low to intermediate risk Brugada syndrome patients and ascertaining the cause of unexplained syncope. Up next is the role of chronic continuous intravenous lidocaine in the clinical management of patients with malignant type 3 long QT syndrome. The authors performed a retrospective review of patients evaluated and treated at Mayo Clinic and identified 4 of 161 patients with long QT type 3 or 2.5% who were refractory to sustained, uh, standard therapies and therefore treated with IV lidocaine. The median age at the first IV lidocaine infusion was 2 months, and the median cumulative duration of IV lidocaine was 11.5 months. In all patients, lidocaine infusion resulted in a significant reduction of long QT3 triggered cardiac events. The authors conclude that for patients with long QT3 who were refractory to standard treatment, chronic IV lidocaine infusion can be used as a potential bridge to transplant. Up next is ventricular arrhythmias in athletes, role of a comprehensive diagnostic workup. The authors evaluated 227 consecutive athletes after being disqualified from participating in sports because of ventricular arrhythmias. After non-invasive tests, electrophysiological study, electroanatomic mapping, or CMR-guided electroanatomic mapping was performed following a pre-specified protocol. A diagnosis of heart disease could be formulated in 30 to 45% of the study population. In the subset athletes undergoing electroanatomic mapping, invasive diagnostic workup allowed diagnostic reclassification of half of the athletes. The authors conclude that a comprehensive invasive workup provided additional diagnostic elements and could improve the sports eligibility assessment of athletes presenting with ventricular arrhythmias. The extensive invasive evaluation presented could be especially helpful when non-invasive tests show unclear findings. The next paper is the impact of electrode size and spacing on electrograms. Optimal electrode configuration for near-field electrogram characterization. The study included a sheep in which probes with different electrode size and inter-electrode spacing were epicardially placed on healthy, fatty, and lesion tissues for measurements. As indices of capability in gap detection and far-field reduction, in different electrode sizes, that is 0.1, 0.2, and 0.5 millimeter, and inter-electrode spacing of 
0.5, and 3 millimeter. And the optimized electrode size and inter-electrode spacing were determined. The authors found that electrode size affects both unipolar and bipolar electrocardiograms. Casters with microelectrodes and very small inter-electrode spacing may be superior in gap detection and far-field reduction. Importantly, this electrode configuration could dramatically reduce artifactual complex fractionated atrial electrograms and may open a new era for AF mapping. Next up is right dominant electrical remodeling in a pure model of pulmonary hypertension promotes reentrant arrhythmias. The model is a sprock dolly rats with left pneumonectomy followed by injection of vascular endothelial growth factor inhibitor. These rats exhibited RV hypertrophy and uh, were highly prone to pacing-induced VT or VF. In this pure model of pulmonary arterial hypertension, the authors document RV predominant remodeling that promotes multi-wavelet reentry undergoing underlying VT. The model represents a severe form of pulmonary arterial hypertension that allows the study of EP properties without the confounding influence of extrapulmonary toxicity. The next article is successful continuous positive air, uh, airway pressure treatment reduces skin sympathetic nerve activity in patients with obstructive sleep apnea. The authors recorded skin sympathetic nerve activity from nine patients with OSA before and immediately after CPAP therapy. They found that OSA episodes were more frequently associated with the very low or low frequency oscillations of skin sympathetic nerve activity, or SKNA. Compared with baseline, CPAP significantly decreased the arousal index in AHI and increased the minimal and mean oxyhemoglobin levels. Optimal treatment of significantly increased the dominant frequency and reduced heart rate, average SKNA, SKNA burst duration, and total burst area. The dominant frequency negatively correlated with average SKNA. The authors conclude that the very low frequency, low frequency, and high frequency oscillations are observed in human SKNA recordings. Among them, very low frequency and low frequency oscillations are associated with OSA, while high frequency oscillations are associated with normal breathing. CPAP therapy reduces the average SKNA and shifts the frequency of SKNA oscillation from very low frequency or low frequency to high frequency. The next article is a research letter titled Effects of COVID-19 Pandemic on Physical Activity in Children and Young Adults with Implantable Devices. Using device-based activity data, the authors found that children and young adults with implanted cardiac devices experienced a significant decline in physical activity during a government-mandated COVID-19 stay-at-home order compared with the same period. In 2019. The above original articles are followed by two contemporary reviews titled Structure and Function of the Ventricular Tachycardia Isthmus 
and interpreting device diagnostics for lead failure. I hope you enjoyed this podcast for Harism. I'm the editor in chief, Dr. Pengshen Chen.